saluto a tutti. Ciao everybody, welcome back to the AJC. I am joined by Lou today, all right, getting away on a little treat at his B&B. And uh, hey man, I'm pumped. We got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. How you doing, man? Good. Happy end to the Mercato and the start of the new season. Um, it's exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Uh, we got uh, I, I never any shortage of stuff to talk about. I get up in the morning. You're already tackling this massive interview. All right. So much detail on uh, this Allegri interview that came out today. We're definitely going to take a look at it and get into it. We're going to say what's up to uh, everybody in the chat right now. We got Vidad coming in here saying ciao. Uh, Bertul Juve fan, ciao everyone. Ola from JSKP and Alex P getting in here. Ciao ragazzi. And uh, yeah, we don't get Lou too often here. So uh, we're always uh, psyched up when it's here. Uh, you never know what you're going to get when uh, Sweet Lou's with us. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll keep the uh, Rabio discussions to a minimum today with uh, <laughs> Lou being here. Give him that courtesy. <laughs> but uh, man... We've got uh, some things wrapping up. Yesterday, more young guns uh, coming in in one of the more expensive Juve Next Gen moves in uh, Gomenencia coming in. So that's an interesting one. And then, of course, Banucci off to Berlin after it was seeming that it was going to be he was going to be kept in uh, Italy. This is one we'll talk about as well. And then we're getting news of this kind of plan Max Allegri has in what he wants to do in the midfield based on the fact that the Mercado is essentially going to leave us the same as is right now. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of variables there, but we are going to look at that one a little more in depth too. And man, well, wrap up the Mercado. Everybody's thoughts on the Mercado, uh, but the finances have always been this looming thing that kind of dictated everything and how it went down so i kind of yesterday on the daily update video asked everybody to rate their scores we haven't had you on uh yet to really talk mercado and now it's almost perfect to get it towards the end because people are rating the scores and everything and it'll be interesting to get yours and your thoughts but it's also interesting what came out about elkin's words and no capital uh, kind of boost until 2025. So we're literally going to take a look at all of that right now, today and everything. And honestly, there's so much. Um, where do you even start, really? I mean, uh, is, is Benucci off to Berlin. Uh, this is just, uh, again, a surprise, a shock. Thought he'd be kept in Italy, but it is what it is. The whole situation, I felt like both parties could have done better. Uh, overall in how it went down yeah. regardless of what we think of Benucci it's just always kind of shitty to see that right but uh, it'll be it's kind of weird to see him go to Berlin right but uh, your thoughts on that whole scenario because we never really got your uh, feelings on it. and I know that despite what happened with Milan you were a big uh, Benucci fan because uh, of when you came in to uh, supporting Juve and everything and he was getting in there too right so yeah, he's, I mean, he's one of my favorite Juventus players uh, in the last decade. I mean, he just, when he was at his peak, uh, the Cardiff season, he was scoring all those goals. And that's why I really thought that he, you know, even passed Chiellini and Barzali just for a brief moment in that season where he was just all around our best player. Um, and then, the, you know, the Milan move, yeah, it made me mad, but I, I never really ever hated him. The moment he was back, it was just like, oh, like, I love this guy again. 
Um, as far as how it went down, you know, at first I thought, hey, Juventus it was kind of rough on this. You know, this is a guy that made 500 appearances. You know, he's a part of Juve history. He's won so much here. And not just Juve, but the Italian national team as a whole. I thought it was just a little rough to toss him out of the squad the way they did. But as like time has gone on and you see you know, some of the reports and Allegri even in that dancing interview talking about, you know, how he told Bonucci in February, hey, you either have to leave or retire. He's like, you're at your end. And Allegri, to his credit, has always been very upfront with his players about that. You know, he's very good. He told Barzali famously, like, hey, you're at the end here, you know, make a move. So if Bonucci got that and he didn't know, I mean, yes, what we did is still a little tough, not letting him train with the team, you know, not really trying to help him move. But I will say that he was given a little bit of advance. So I, I kind of, I'm 50-50 on how the club treated him. I do think it could have been handled a little bit better, but I also think if you were giving that, that perspective ahead of time, you have to know what was coming. What a clever choice of words, saying 50-50. 50-50, lose 50-50 on that one. We always remember Benucci's 50-50 comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little fun there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Bartula, you've been saying, I don't really care about Mercado. Of course, I want top players to come like Kefren Turan, but I want improvement on the pitch. So, uh, I mean, we may as well get into this Mercado thing right now as we get into more of the details behind the scenes in Elkan and uh, an interesting change that could come from Elkan as well. And um, the Mercado itself for me, I scored it at six and a half to seven. And to be honest, uh, in the daily update video yesterday, we were getting a lot of eights uh, out of tens and whatnot. And I think uh, it was just highlighted based on the simple fact that I don't think too many of us expected to walk away while still having Bremer, Chiesa, and Vlaovic, all three of them, still around. So when Agreed. you start to hear the news that you know there's a good chunk of money that's been saved around the 70 million euro mark, um, you've got a good cleanup done and you've got uh, some more young guns being added to the mix for long term. Um, it, it's it's got to be somewhat positive. You really only covered uh, the right wing back role with uh, Wea, who can also play anywhere up on the right, which gives you some flexibility if you want to make some changes. But ultimately, it's a numbers game right now for Juve and we have to, had to, cut in to where we were still sitting at around 103 as a deficit at the moment but i mean after the 21 uh, season where it was uh, 239 million backed up like this is much much better uh, much much better still some work to do and this is what comes in now from uh, elkin and we'll get to that but lou what's your score on this mercado I, I have our Mercado at a 7.5 out of 10, and I know that's, that's probably pretty high for some of the listeners, but what I would say is, and you highlighted it, the big thing is Juventus haven't lost any of their big pieces. And I think that if you look just at the landscape of Italian football and what's kind of changed over the years, it's not at the level of the other European na nations financially. You know, Our clubs are behind, but a lot of these bigger teams, the model is to either sell one of your big players and replace them with a bunch of like, you know, younger, smaller, mid-label type players, or to keep your big players and just say, hey, we're going to wait till we're financially able to make some moves. And I think that Juventus with Vlaovic, Chiesa, Bremer, they're all players sub-26 20, years old. They're good players. 
you've invested in your future. You're banking on the fact that you had you had a really good squad last year who a lot of us thought could have won the league, and you're keeping it mostly intact. And then I even like down to what they did with some of the young players, right? You got your your Nicholas Sule who, you know, or Matthias Sule, I called Nicholas Sule. Uh, Matthias Sule, I think of the German guy. Uh, Matthias Sule, <laughs> who, um, you know, he struggled at times last year. So we got him alone, and you replaced him with Keenan Yillitz, who we know has a ton of talent. He's already seen minutes early on. You know, I think that Gentoli and the management, they had a, a clear objective here, which is to save as much money as you could, make pay off as much of the debt as you can, and then let's keep our big pieces and see if we can really go for something this year based on the talent that we had. I do think that there are there are some aspects where I wish they could have done things better, like Weston McKinney, I think, is is one that I understand why they kept him, but maybe I thought was going to move. Um, it, it's not the worst, but it's not the best either. I do think that maybe a left-footed center back is needed, but then, you know, does uh, Dean Hydrogen, does he play yes or no? Like, we'll see. You know, maybe that, that fifth center back is – you know, not brought in to give him some minutes at times this year. Uh, it's it's interesting. The other thing, too, is I, I always see a lot of people who, and I'm sorry I'm rambling a little bit, but I always see a lot of people who will criticize, like, not bringing any players in. And then the players we've been linked with, the Lukaku's, the Berardi's, you know, the Frank Kessier's, they're not really great players either. I mean, they would help, but they're not necessarily guarantees. So, I don't know. I think that, that overall, the Mercado, we didn't lose any big pieces, to put it short. That's you know, the most important thing. Yeah. I think, you know, the details on the Rovella deal really pissed me off. That one kind of hurt. But again, that's a, that's a sacrifice I'd probably make if you were going to tell me we were going to keep Bremer, Kies, and Vlaovic, and that's one of the things we had to do to do it. I mean, so be it. Are we hurting at young future talents? Absolutely not. It's quite the opposite. Um, when you're looking at uh, Yildiz, Houston, Fajoli, um, Cambiaso is in here now and he's young. Like The amount of U23s we have on this squad is insane. Because everybody forgets Moise Keane's 23. Vlaovic is 23. Like yeah. That's how old these guys are. So... Are we hurting for young talent? Absolutely not. Could we make that sacrifice there? Yes. Do I still hate the details of that move? Absolutely. But, hey, it is what it is. I mean, something had to give to keep these guys in. Would I have liked another piece added? I was saying the whole way through, the one piece that would make the most sense to me was a midfielder profile that could give us insurance on Paul Pogba. And I still yeah. think we may be lacking there. I need more. And I need, even though Fajoli like kind of was a big piece in helping us in the midfield last season, whatnot, I still want more. And I, and I know that there's more to his game there that hasn't transferred over from Cremonese to Juventus when he went out on that loan and what he was doing. Okay. So there's still there's still more there for Fajoli. Miretti, the game against uh, Bologna, I think we saw what he can bring. And it's still a little bit different, but it's not as polished. So for me, yeah. I would have liked someone that's a little more polished, that comes in, that can help us 
in that creation and kind of just start pulling the strings um, and do that. But if that didn't happen, it's still not the be all end all for me in this Mercado. The biggest thing for me was again, keeping these assets because another factor into it is you're gonna lose these guys and you're gonna get hurt on it financially coming off of last season yeah so if you can have this season and even if we're not going to get into a situation where we extend Kiesa, for instance even though i don't think that's going to be the case we're already hearing the reports are working on it and i expect him to get that extension and they'll sign but them coming off a, a stronger season gives you a hell of a lot more flexibility a, a better ability to get more bang for your buck in moves because this summer the last thing i wanted to see was top assets leave because you know you were not going to get what you wanted or what you needed to get for them financially so yeah. even that makes it more of a win to be honest in this mercado i know you want to see players coming in everybody wants that excitement in the mercado hey we're picking up this guy we're picking up that guy you're looking at inter who's 839 million euros in debt and signing you know pavard and getting uh all these guys at and whatnot i get it but something's gotta it's it's all gotta make sense like that doesn't make sense to me and i couldn't tell you what the hell's going on that they're doing all that okay because they are going to get they're going to get screwed it's going to catch up to them so yeah. it makes no sense they had to have a mercado essentially exactly like ours which is flat even that necessarily hasn't been the case it kind of has because they're pushing the finances back but at in the end at the end of the day it's all the same it all and, catches yeah they're just delaying the inevitable. So one way or another, shit's going to hit the fan eventually for them making those moves. For us, it's about cleanup. And then you get the words from Elkin, no capital bond, like no no capital increase until 2025 because they want to not fall into the trap that they did the last go around. I got some feelings about that. But Lou, like when this came out, let's get your thoughts on that. It sounds to me like the headline when I was reading it, and I, I did tweet that from the news yesterday. So, like reading through the article, like it sounded a little bit first, like ah, uh, like twenty twenty five. That seems really far away, but I kind of like this idea that Juventus are, are trying to trying to hit the reset button, which is a lot. You look at twenty twenty five. We don't know where Max Allegri will be. That's the that's the end of his contract, I believe. You know, it's kind of the end of this current cycle. So let's get your finances in order. If you magically are back on top of Syria and you're back in Europe, you know, under Allegri, you have money to invest and go for Europe and get back to the heights that Juventus once wore. If you're not and you're looking at a situation where, you know, maybe you have some stars that went away or Allegri didn't work out in the long run, you now have a capital increase in some ways to go. I just think that for Juventus, and I think as fans, sometimes we forget this, maybe we weren't in at... Maybe this financial situation, which we all know was pretty terrible, is a lot worse than a lot of us think or thought it was. And I think that what they're trying to do is they're just trying to bring everything afloat. Take the pressure off. Let's get in the graces of UEFA. Let's not make any noise. And then let's let's wait until we have a proper team to go for it. I also think sometimes with the capital gains increase, people think because 
we haven't made these like eight or nine signs that Milan clubs have, or, you know, uh, broadcasted everything. We're not interested in every young player. I think sometimes fans like look at that and go, oh, well, we're not competing for titles. And it's like, if you look at those teams and you look at how they play, they're not that far ahead of us. I mean, some of them are just as good as we are, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot of quality in the squad. So I don't, I don't have a huge problem with it. I think write the books, invest in the team that you have now. I mean, if Pogba is even 80% of what he could be, you already have like one of the best midfielders, if not the best midfielder in, in Serie A. So let's in, focus on what you have in front of you and get everything right, and then we'll look at the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to kind of get into this um, too, so Eric's got, I might be the only one that's got this Mercado at like a 3.5. Player retention to me is not highly rated because of players' will. Buying and selling is what I look at. Still, it, players' will, whatnot. Like if these offers came in, and Vlaovic, we even heard just recently, uh, I think it was Mirko put it out there, or might have been Skira, that, hey, he was fully expecting to be moved. And I think like even when you hear it in that sense, in that way, that he was ready to go if need be, and he was expecting them to move him because of that Mercado. Obviously, he would ultimately have had to agree to the deal. But I don't think you could score this at a 3.5. Buying and selling is what you look at. So do you sacrifice and play this game year in, year out, or do you... Bite the bullet. Do what you need to do now and set yourself up for better Mercados in the future. That's well, what you're looking at. So if it comes down to buying and selling, you can't buy a player this season because of where the finances sit. So you have to do this. You have to correct the books. If the FFP ruling does come in because there's still this gray area that nobody understands if it is going to come into play or if it isn't going to come into play and count that 21 season where COVID affected everything and shit hit the fan and we were 240 in debt. But if you count that year going into this one, we are sitting at almost double the allowance of what they'll give you before penalties come in. The last team that was over double faced a 20 million fine. Will Juve get the same? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But, hey, you have to get things right now in order to be able to allow this team to move forward. And the reason I chose that comment now is because what we were just getting into, which is the um, capital increase and whatnot, nothing coming in until 2025. I had been saying I would probably have prepared to face your penalties, face everything you're doing, and give Juntali as much of a fresh slate as you possibly can. To, to work, to operate. Because right now, people that are judging Juntoli or saying anything like, you, you absolutely can't. Because the finances are literally this massive set of handcuffs for Juve. But I, 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 think, that that, I think that goes to people not understanding what Juntoli did before he arrived at Juventus. If you look at when he took over Napoli, which is around the time of Maurizio Sarri, Napoli, of course, you know, not the size of a club like Juventus, a little bit smaller, financially not as competitive. But what they were able to do is their whole process over that that five year span that Gentile told them was to always keep their big players. You know, they would go a whole year without signing players. They wouldn't make large extensions. And Signe went, I think his final three years, it was like every summer he was leaving because they wouldn't extend his deal. 
you know, that's, that's kind of his MO in Napoli. It was to invest in young talent if they sold big talent or they let some of their talent go at the end of their contracts. But it was, there was going to be a season where they wouldn't sign anyone. And then the next year they would come in and sign a bunch of guys, but they just had to financially get uh, sustainable. And I think that goes back to that report, which is, hey, Gentoli, they waited for him for that reason. They wanted a guy that knew how to make a team that's financially stable with limitations. And unfortunately, Juventus have limitations. I do want to say on the sales, we don't really appreciate how good of a sale getting Pagica off the books is. Even where they place Arthur Mello, he's on loan, but Fiorentina is a club that actually want to play him, unlike Liverpool in the last administration. You know, yeah. Zakaria was a good deal. Getting Pellegrini, which I think hurt the Ravella deal, which I, I also agree about the Ravella deal. It's not it's not a good deal. But aside from that, getting Pellegrini off the books, finding a club that actually wants him is a really good deal. And I think sometimes like we look at these players and we think, well, because they played for Juventus, they were a lot better than they were. But we can remember someone like Luca Pellegrini, he's played for five, six clubs in five years. It's getting someone to put an obligation on him is a miracle. They did some really good work, I think. Yeah. And and that's just it. I mean, you gotta you what we're doing now, and whether it's quiet or whatever, is gonna set ourselves up for the future. All the young talent, again, buy cheap, sell high. All right. So even if we're not integrating or whatnot, you have this talent pool that hopefully can develop at next gen and whatnot. But what next gen is also proven is that these guys are able to come in and actually provide something, even to our first team. All right. And again, this is going to be a slow build. But what a Mercado like this does is actually shut down what you're going to have to. It's just like delaying the inevitable. Like I said, with Inter, sooner or later, shit's going to hit the fan. Juve's doing it the opposite. Let that shit hit the fan. Now deal with it and be able to move the way you want accordingly in the future. Um, there is some more cleanup that still has to happen, but it will happen. Um, this Mercado had to happen and we all <clears throat> expected, we were hearing it from, uh, Mirko, from Romeo, everybody that, uh, it was going to be a slow Mercado. What the hell is this damn camera doing? God damn. <laughs> I had to use the force there. Uh, but it had to be for the most part. It looks like we all agree that, um, the Mercado, this one was actually good. And from a chemistry standpoint, I like the fact that we are keeping a lot of the guys around too because that should help again that's going to be up to the players and max themselves to get it together and get it rolling but from a chemistry standpoint it should be much well, much better i just wanted to add one point to that too these guys Vavic, chiesa i mean they they came off rough individual seasons but you know in the leg rate we'll get into that interview touched on it a little bit today but there's a good chunk of the squad that feels the pains and the injustices of the minus 10 last year, you know, and what that meant and what that felt like. That to me is important. That is you, Hey, like you want to sting back. You want to get retribution for last season. You need those pillars. And I think that keeping that chemistry, keeping that cohesion from last year, it's really just a reminder of, Hey, like what we came through, what we built in that time, because there was a span where things got a lot better last year. The mentality did raise a little bit. It wasn't perfect, but it got a little bit better. And now they're trying to take what they could savage from last year and build off of that. And I think I think that's important going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, 
about uh, Eric Ho's plan. And I want to remind everybody, please take a second, like the video while you're in here. We're close at 50 here and uh, 18 likes. Let's go. Please take a second. Help us out uh, a lot here. Uh, we have been working a lot for the future, but I'm worried about our present. We have to provide creativity and shift positions and try out new things. Pogba as regista, maybe, or something. Well, perfect segue into something that kind of headlines today's show, which is Ma Max Allegri's master plan and what's going on. And there were rumblings yesterday. We were hearing about him working towards getting Pogba playing ahead of the defense. So without further ado, I mean, we should just get into this. I want to remind everybody too that today's show is a call-in, so you'll get your opportunities. That is me on WhatsApp. Text in if you're interested in calling in. You don't even have to ask us a question. You can make a statement, make a comment about uh, something we've been discussing or something that's you would just want to get off your chest around UV, or you could simply say what's up and uh, send us a, your best wishes. Uh, we got some great uh, comments in the daily update video yesterday. I had one from uh, a gentleman that uh, has been following for like two and a half seasons now, and he says he doesn't miss any of my daily update videos and just loves it. That's great. So whatever you want to say, come in. All you got to do is text that number on WhatsApp. Now, Pogba playing ahead of the defense. Lou, your thoughts. Well, first I want to say that the WhatsApp messages, if you tell us that you're going to call in to tell everyone that the knee guy stinks, uh, you get jump to the front of the list. Just <laughs> please do that. Uh, but jokes aside, a pug in front of the defense, mm, it's interesting. I, the thing that it holds, we don't really know where Pogba is physically. That's what makes this difficult for me. Like, can he still be a box-to-box -box player like he would be in a six or an eight? You know? <laughs> um, legend. Legend. It was Bartula Juve fan. Legend. Love um, it. Thank you for the support, brother. So, yeah. But with Pogba, it's just – it's really like what's his physical limitations? <laughs> you know, like can, can he play box-to-box? -box? Maybe in a deeper role does he do a little bit less running? But Pogba has qualities where he could do almost anything. I mean, he could – he could play the long ball. He could. He has a long distance shot. He kind of defends a little well. Like I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. I don't love it at first. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. But I I could be open to seeing it in a couple games. Also because I do think, and you know, I, I love Locatelli, but there, there's something something's up with him in that role. And I I don't know. I get this. I get this this thing that they're looking for a solution there that isn't really there. Okay, so as far as Pogba standing alone, because, yeah, there's a lot to think about here. So Pogba alone ahead of the defense, we've seen it before, and we've seen it at France do great. We've seen it at Man U not so great, but also there was a lot of uh, discussions about how poor that assembled team was, that Pogba was a part of there or whatnot. He can do it. He's mm -hmm. got the passing range that could literally play there no problem, okay? From a defensive standpoint, how we played, that might be where he drops off if he's going to play in that role. Um, just because with us, and when you look at him doing it at a national level with France, quite a drastic difference in terms of the players around yeah. him and what they could do and help defensively. But he could do it. I think he could do it. 
okay, if he gets up to 100%. In the shape I saw him in against uh, Bologna, I'm going to say no, okay? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. as he gets stronger, as he can do it, I believe he can do it, okay? Locatelli as a Metzala, for me, so the interesting thing is he is naturally a two-man pivot, okay? This is a combination of Metzala and Regista. Everybody's going to have their theory on which spot, box-to-box box or Regista, is closer to a two-man pivot's natural role. I actually believe Regista is closer to where um, a two-man pivot and how they play. I believe that Regista is closer to that than box-to-box, to, box, to be honest. But everyone could argue that and have their own thoughts on it. It's fun. Locatelli for me in this Regista role and last game I had mo he was he was brutal last game okay um, I was really really pissed off in the fact that the off the ball movement was non-existent in the first half but when it was Locatelli was on the ball for about two or three uh, sequences Fajoli made one of the runs there was um, I can't remember the other two players that had made moves that he's got to pull the trigger on those passes. And for whatever reason, he was not, okay? Yeah. So for me, I just don't see the same guy that was at Sassuolo or even his first season with us. Because the first season with us, I saw him want to make those through balls, want to put it over the top of a defense and try to be direct and spring us forward. And now I'm not. I'm seeing a guy that is literally just not taking those shots. And it's got to be a confidence thing or something. Yeah, oh, it's interesting because in the first season, he did play in the double pivot quite a lot. There were times where they started in the 4-4-2 uh, and then the 4-2-3-1. And it changed throughout the season. And then last year with kind of the back three, we've kind of lost Locatelli a little bit. The other hard part is too, and we talked about this in preseason, we saw it in the Udinese match. Moretti has a great kind of combination with Cambiasso and Chiesa. We, we saw a little bit in preseason. We saw it in the Udinese match. He also helps with the press because he plays a little bit further forward, you know, and it becomes more of the, you know, Locatelli and Rabiot play a little bit deeper when he's on the pitch. So I'm kind of wondering if Juventus go back to that in that third match. Maybe they're going to look to keep that continuity, you know, see what happens. Well, it's also kind of interesting for Fajoli. So maybe that's a scenario where Allegri's looking, hey, we have Pogba. Clearly, he's a better overall player than Moretti. But Moretti maybe gives some continuity that we've built up. He gives us some attacking movements that we know really well. And maybe Allegri's just trying to figure out how he can use Moretti and Fajoli in those roles but also keep Pogba on the pitch, right? That's where you have to get a little experimental. I don't like fans who are just instantly like, hell no, we can't do this, right? You got to at least try it like once or twice. You know, football yeah. players, intelligent players, great players, they have that ability, right? You know, it's just getting that out of them. And that, I think that Pogba could do it. I think you're right. I think if he's partnered next to Rabio or Locatelli, if they give him the support defensively, he could do it. And then the other thing is looking at some of the things we talked about with what these guys can do higher up the pitch and how they can help. Locatelli has looked good for us when we formed a pivot, which he has on some occasions yeah. with Rabio, and it's been fine. So 
We can even do that. So even before pulling somebody in and being obsessed with this Regista role, a two-man pivot can be played at Juventus and still remain the same as we are right now. I think most of the Udinese match, I the way I interpreted the way we played, it, I know it started in a three-man midfield, but it looked like a double pivot with a midfielder in advance. Moretti played a lot higher up the pitch. Rabiot kind of floated around a little bit. But it wasn't like Locatelli was on an island. He had a fairly good match, except for that stupid yellow card he got at the end of the game. But he had a really good match in that game. Yeah. So I, it's 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 hard to tell now because I don't really know. We've only played two games, right? So it's hard to tell like what we're going to play, like what's kind of formulating. Like, you know, maybe the Moretti we saw in the Udinese game and the Fagioli we saw in the Bologna game are, aren't going to happen more than once. Maybe... Maybe Fagioli won't have a good year. Maybe Moretti will go back to kind of the things that made us annoyance last year, and they decide to play Pogba further up the pitch. It's just hard to tell. But in, form, as if I, in terms of if I'm open to it, yeah, I'm open to it. Like, yeah. we can see it from France. So Pogba can do it. Um, and here's another thing, too, because it's starting to fall on deaf ears with me because we talked about it. Regista, whatever. It's a combination out of... Metzala and uh, Regista, I, I believe it's closer to Regista playing a two-man pivot, but the out-of-position talks kind of need to stop because he's been playing yeah. that steady for two years now, two seasons. He's going into his third. It's time to step up and be the guy, and I love Locatelli. Everybody knows how I feel about Locatelli. I love everything about him in terms of no nonsense, no bullshit, no excuses, holds others accountable. Um, but again, if you gave me, because this was, I had this discussion with somebody the other day, and he said, uh, I think it was in our AJC Army chat, actually. And by the way, if you are a member, we got rid of the tier two or tier three levels to join in the chat. You just reach out to us, we'll plug you into this chat, okay? But it said, if I give you a paintbrush and tell you to paint me a picture, do I expect the picture of an uh an artist caliber or whatnot in re in reference to him being out of position i said okay maybe not right out of the gate but if you give me that paintbrush and a canvas for three years by year three i guarantee you that my paintings will look a hell of a lot better than the first time you handed me that brush and i'm starting to kind of feel that way with locatelli and i love the guy but at what point is like okay if you're you know worth what we got for you i'd expect improvement there at that role even if it isn't your natural position or whatnot right how do you feel about that Luke? no Am i out of line I, by saying that no you're not and i i think that this this goes for everyone and you know this season especially after what we've gone through the last two years it's you i love locatelli too but it's it's time for some of these guys to prove themselves right it's time for this team to show the potential that it has it's we all fall into this agreement that, you know, oh, it, it's Max Allegri, it's Max Allegri, and yes, that's part of it. But some of these guys, you know, Locatelli being one of them, we need consistency. I Like, I love that Allegri, for example, came out recently and was like, hey, Chiesa should score 15 to, 14 to 15 goals a season, right? That That's a fair marker. And, you know, for someone who have Chiesa's quality, it's time to score 14, 15 goals a season. Same for Dusan Vlahovic. Like, he could hit 15, 20 goals a season. He should be doing that. That goes for Locatelli. You have quality. You've been here two years. It's time to adjust. You know, show us. Just give us some consistency. And I think Loka gets a lot of criticism that he doesn't deserve. Like I thought the Udinese match, if you look at his stats, he was really good. Yeah. Aside from that yellow card, which was not. But 
you know, then you get the Bologna match and he can't play two passes. I mean, that's not acceptable. And I agree with Matt here because I always show him the love because I still say he is the glue in yeah. this midfield. Okay. And solid in the fence. Absolutely. Okay. However, however, where Loka starts to give us issues and where all this starts to stem from is games like Bologna. When you play a coach who's smart, and I called it, I said, if you think that he's going to fall victim to everything that we did well against Udinese, you're wrong. Okay. And Mota flattened out his midfield, got rid of that diamond. He played in the first game against Milan, widened out, and he said they're going to want to play up the flanks. Everybody knows this about us for like three years running. Force them through the middle. Force us through the middle. And that, that is when we start to struggle. And Locatelli is in the role that has to pull all the strings. Mm -hmm. And that is where the frustrations start to lie because... Again, you get a game like that where, number one, he can't string anything together, but he's not looking direct. He's not breaking the game up. He's not hitting these moments, these key sequences when somebody is making a run. Vlaovic did a great job uh, against uh, Bologna, and he was taking players with him. He was making moves, showing for and in a couple sequences, like I said, somebody made that run behind Vlaovic in the space it created, and Locatelli... Never even crossed his mind watching his body language to attempt that ball. I don't know why. I don't know whatever, but we have to mix it up. And in games like that, when you have to go through the middle, is when we start to see the frustrations with Locatelli. Yeah. It is what it it is. And this is coming from me who loves a guy. Yeah. And I I say this, I defend Locatelli on Twitter all the time. Like he's one of my favorite Juventus players at the moment. And I agree with that comment. When he's good in front of the defense, he is really good. Think about the Chelsea game in Turin in his first season, or even last year at the San Siro when we beat Inter uh, in the league. He was brilliant in that game. I mean, box to box, he was everywhere. But it just, could we see that every game from him? Or most games from him? Yeah. Defensively, I have zero issues with Locatelli. But if you're going to play in that Regista role, there comes a responsibility to pull the strings too. And in yeah. games when our flanks are being shut down, he's got to step it up. So I think it's fair to ask for more from Locatelli. Um, but hey, to each their own, again, is what it is. Everybody uh, has their thoughts and feelings on whatnot. But at what point, you know, I'm starting to ask the question, do we scrap this out of position talk? I don't know. I don't know. Well, now, also the, uh, go sorry, ahead. Just one last thing on the out of position thing. It's this is like a conversation I swear only Juventus fans have. Uh, at some point, we got this way where it's like, hey, and I don't know if it was during the sorry season or during the Pirlo season when we started to tinker with things, where it's these plays, player. It's like it's almost like FIFA. Like a player can only play in like one role, and I I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I think if you look at some of like the best teams in the world, those coaches are always moving players around. There is a duty to the player, which is to adapt to a role you've been given. Now, I understand in some circumstances, you know, when you're playing a forward at, at wing back, that can be a little intense, right? I understand that. You know, that's, that's a big ask. Like Chiesa left wing back last year. It's a big ask. But some of these guys, you're not asking them to do terribly much. Mezzala to Regista is not a giant stretch, you know? So like Timothy Webb playing right back last year and right wing 
for the U.S. national team playing wingback, it's not a big ask, right? If you're a good enough player, you should be able to do that. I just yeah. don't understand the whole, just because it's not like a defined position, like it doesn't mean it can't change. I mean, Mandzukic was great as a winger for us, you know, like Quadrado yeah. was good as a right back for us for a couple of years. Yeah. And then James uh, coming in here, look at Klopp and Pep, lots of effing around with positions. Like it, it, it is what it is. And um, Mr. Noni's or the chip guy, as we like to call him now, as he said, he would leave us for a Saudi Arabia show if uh, they just offered him a lifetime supply <laughs> of uh, potato chips. So uh, Chipper over here says, is Chiesa as a striker out of position? Chipper, I like that. We'll have to call him Chipper now. Um, so here's the thing. And we talked about this last game uh, after the last pod uh, sorry the last pod after last game and Chiesa you know it's like he's not a second striker or whatnot I don't care how players are labeled on a graphic when you start to watch the match it's what they do and their roles that are asked on the pitch so Chiesa being listed as a second striker but what's he doing in all these games he's drifting to the left touchline mm-hmm. and coming off the wing inverted as we all believe he should be. Yeah. So to say you need to achieve a 4-3-3 to get him to do that is false. You don't have to. He can do that in this role. But what has to happen for me that I'm not seeing is everything else is our mids and how they support Vlaovic when he drifts off. Because if you're playing in a two-striker system, it's not the fact that Chiesa is a second striker, which is the issue. It's the fact that when he drifts out there, who's playing close and off Vlaovic and who's helping take attention away from him. And more often than not, it's way too spaced out. And if you go back to that Bologna match and you watch it, you'll see this big gap from mids to forward line and Vlaovic again has a it's congested their form and hard for him to really do anything other than a break when Paul Pogba sucks in five players and he springs mm-hmm. Illing and then Vlaovic of course is going to have space ahead because there's five players literally around yeah. Paul Pogba but other than that it's everything else we do so this out of position thing it comes more down to the roles than it is what you're labeled as on a team sheet going into a game. That's it's perfect because, you know, like if you look at the two matches, right, and Chiesa had different performances in both matches, I think in the Udinese match, Cambiasso came in a lot. And when Chiesa would go wide, Cambiasso flood, flooded the middle of the field. Moretti was getting in, flooding that space. Novavich wasn't isolated a ton in that game. I think in the second game, Bologna really hit us on the flanks with Orsolini and, you know, some of the counterattacks. They clogged up the midfield a little bit. It was a lot harder for him to get a little bit more wide. But if we see a lot more of what we saw against Udinese, I mean, Chiesa can play that role. I don't think that's yeah. that's a stretch. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, every, our Mitsalas and where they go to. And even Locatelli, again, a prime, prime example of why I've said he's not a Mitsala. I think we saw last game because... He was atrocious when he got in around that area. And like I saw a back heel with a defender on his back that I just never want to see again in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was bad. But even Rabio, when he gets up high and he's drifting out into that sideline set, I don't want those guys there. We need no. to be finding a way through fullback, through, uh, sorry, wingback, through uh, advanced center back to find those mids 
around the area closer to Vlaovic and supporting him and using our target guy as one twos and whatnot. We can't simply get the ball out wide and bank on these guys to beat guys because every time Chiesa got the ball out there, two guys came, sometimes a third in coverage. That means yep. you have to find somebody else. So bringing a Mitsala up into that space does nothing. They need to find other avenues and pockets and be able to get the ball there using the other players. Banking on Chiesa to try and take on two guys every time is not a recipe for success. So again, it's not necessarily our positions, out of positions. It's the roles and what we do together. And I'm hoping that between Magnanelli and Allegri, they can sort this thing out because that is, for me, something that's been evident all these years. It's just what we try and do being so predictable and too easy for smart coaches to kind of create problems. But uh, the first half against Bologna, I'm going to forget about completely because another thing while we talk about formation setup and everything... The bare minimum is you have to win the battles as an individual, as a player that you're lined up directly across from. And our guys weren't doing it in the first half against Bologna. And that's what it comes down to. But uh, I think there's a lot of work tactically and everything that we need to work on and whatnot and positionally with our players. But I literally think slapping a Miretti, a Fagioli, a Pogba when able to ahead of two base mids makes the world a difference and centrally centrally not coming from one of the sides either left or right literally slapping them in the middle and giving them this radius and this range to work left and right and to support the wing backs on both sides and forwards when they get out there i think that makes a world of difference because we can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results but that's just me that's just me we've got a lot more we still haven't got into. Everybody, I'll remind you, don't be shy, okay? Call in if you guys want. Hey, text what's up. When we started this, everybody was gung-ho about it, and we got calls all the time, Jeremiah, all these guys. Hey, don't be shy. Text that number, and then we can get you on. On Friday, okay, the audio between VAR and Ref Di Bello for the Bologna match is going to be put out. So we can actually see what went down in that discussion, okay? Yesterday, some of you may have seen the video I posted in terms of the headline, which pisses me off. And it's, again, something we are no strangers to. Look at last season. I called the FIGC out at every turn for what they did because it's an absolute joke. They allow these narratives to play out. Rubentis. Um, favoritism, all this crap. They allow it to play out because they never shut down things like that. In their minds, they believe that when stuff like that happens, it only affects the teams involved and the only ones being hurt are Juventus because it reflects them poorly. You are idiots and you're completely wrong because it affects you and your product. Who? Which match was the highest rated match, match week two? It was Juventus and Bologna. And I can guarantee to you, it wasn't because of Bologna. Okay? So, again, Syria has always failed in letting these headlines run this nonsense, never shutting it down and allowing headlines like DiBello and Fornal, who work the VAR, are going to be suspended because of the missed 
uh, PK for Bologna in the match against Juventus, whatnot. How about shutting it down, saying no, you know, coming out and actually saying no, they're being suspended because of a horror show of a match it was, and actually realizing that Juve got hurt far worse than Bologna did in that match. Because if they got it right, that play towards the end, they could have got that PK and it shouldn't have mattered if they got the rest of the game right. That was a horror show. Furthermore, you don't have to watch a lot of Serie A to realize that the officiating is shit and it has nothing to do with Juventus, okay? Um, I saw a brutal handball given to... Uh, uh, who did Milan play in their first match? Um, Bologna. Yeah, sorry, it was Bologna, and it was a terrible PK call on a handball and whatnot. The list goes on and on, man. Like, I can spot... <laughs> Garbage, garbage decisions almost in no, every single match and poor officiating. Italy's got to be the worst when it comes to officiating. Nothing to do with Juventus. But it pisses me off that they allow this to go on and think that it only affects um, Juve when in turn it affects you and your product and this league and how we are perceived and even your top clubs, how they are perceived abroad. So you're trying to... Let everyone know that you're working at broadening the audience and you want uh, to push uh, and Calcio is back, whatever, with these teams making the finals. And then you allow your own media in your own country to literally shit on your product and a couple of the and one of the big teams in that product. It's a joke to me. It's a joke to me. I'll never stand for it. They'll never get their heads out of their asses, though, at least not with Gravina there. But it's just bullshit. Your thoughts on, you know, when that continue this continuous push with headlines and them not shutting it down and actually trying to do what leagues that you're trying to chase do, which is build all their teams up. All of them, not just the top ones, all of them. Well, I mean, like we talk about this all the time in the chat, you know, like I, I follow a lot of the Premier League. I think the Premier League is, is really engaging and a lot of like their, their media presence, a lot of ex-players, you know, on podcasts and things like that. And some of them, like the Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, every Monday, they interview a referee and they walk through some controversial decisions. They talk about where players think it could be better, where they think it could be better. It's synonymous, right? It's like, hey, can we get more consistency? Why isn't this called? Like, what, what does the rule actually mean? In Italy, there's just none of that. It's just, you know, hey, for them, it's easier to blame Juventus because Juventus is the controversial club. It's Rubentis. There's Calciopoli. There's, we're controversial now because of last year. You know, so it's easy to blame Juventus because you have a free headline. It distracts from the fact that, you know, like last year, you didn't have enough cameras for VAR in every angle oh. of the stadium because that apparently is a thing in 2023. <laughs> or, you know, the this year it's, oh, well, you know, the referee missed the penalty on England, but the one where Chiesa gets run through the back, there's nothing there. You know, there could have been a handball. I actually think that's a bad call, the, the way a cross gets to be a handball, but – it is weird, Jeremiah. I agree. But, uh, you know, like, you know, the way I handball, from what I was saying, you know, I didn't think that was a handball. But if you look at the call they made against Bologna in the Milan game, yeah, that's a handball. But, like, where's the consistency? What does the rule mean? Can we be transparent about why that rule wasn't put into place? I'll be curious to see what they put out on Friday and if that's actually the full thing because I don't trust the FIGC to give us the real stuff. Yeah. And, look, I understand. And I'm separating this from the pitch because obviously we need to sort ourselves out on the pitch. But at the end of the day, we are tied to this league, whether we like it or not, Vida. 
And when they do things like this, it does affect Juve. It does. And again, when I think back to the to the days when Serie A was the balls, okay, and everybody wanted to play there and whatnot, we're so far away from that right now, and it's getting worse. And yes, that is going to affect the top clubs in Serie A as well. So it's crucial. It's crucial. Um, it can't it, be it, fixed. I'd like to think it can with the right people involved in FIGC and actually realizing what it's going to take to get this league to where it needs to be. Because if you're talking straight up pound for pound product, we're not, we're there. If you're talking pound for pound product, as far as the game goes, yeah, it's everything else that we fail at that can be fixed. It can be fixed. You just need yeah. the right people in there that actually realize that our production value is garbage. You're telling me in a beautiful country like Italy, all these great stories around uh, calcio and clubs and whatnot, we have like the poorest uh, production value. Yeah. Like we, there's, we, it's terrible. Four, four different teams have won Serie A in four years. No other league in world football has that, right? You know, and yeah. the way things are, and part of that's financially, like, you know, one team can't really dominate or sustain to dominate anymore. You know, this year you have a potential five teams could win, like in preseason. You could make an argument for Lazio, Juve, Napoli, Inter, Milan could all win the title, right? You know, there's all, I mean, Lazio's a bit of a stretch, but you could make an argument there if you, if you wanted to. So that should be the talk, right? It shouldn't be the talk that, you know, Rubentis and another, you know, VAR miss, it, that should never be the talk of, of your league. It should be focused on the product, which is that right there. The fact that you have the tightest race potentially in Europe this year. It's yeah. going to be exciting, right? You had Napoli last year should have been one of the best stories of world football. I hate Napoli, you know, the team, the fans, you know, the rivals. But, like, you know, that should have been the best story in world football. You had a team that literally hasn't won the Scudetto in, like, 30-some years. It's fresh off of Maradona. They were exciting in Europe. They have two really great young players. That should have been your story in football. But the FIGC, like they don't have that kind of, you know, they don't have that perseverance. Instead, the story in football was the fact that they went on a witch hunt for Juventus, right? That was the story at Italy. You know, yeah. it that should be the story. The fact that you had the Milan clubs in Europe should have been your story, right? Yeah. But they just, they don't have that. They don't have it. Yeah. Now, Vidad, I think the separation here is that I'm not talking about bitching about results. No. What no, I'm no, talking no. about is the media approach and FIGC not doing anything to defend its product, which in turn hurts the league as a whole. This is not about complaining about results, right? It's not yeah. about that. Um, and again, the FIGC shoots to, and this doesn't just affect us, it affects all the clubs across the league when stuff like that has happened your biggest draws okay your biggest draws as far as a product even the other teams should be lashing out at these media headlines for what they're doing and degrading the league and the game and the clubs involved in these controversial situations but drama is what the italians believe uh, will draw in everything and whatnot. It will if it's in a sporting matter. When it's like this, you're playing into the narratives that are out there that it's corrupt. Italian football is corrupt. It's all fixed. 
uh, the teams that succeed are all cheaters and thieves and whatnot. You're playing it up and you're fueling that fire, okay? You're fueling that fire. It's, again, it's time to uh, push back. And I would expect, I would love for the bigger clubs to band together and push back and lead that charge. And then I guarantee you the rest of the league would come in there, but I don't think we'll ever see it. Storm the barn. We got time. Get your questions in. I got a fun one that we're going to talk about too. Uh, but this one's from Jeremiah Lou. How about another Ravio reaching 10 goal mark again this season? Are you feeling lucky this time? I think I I'll think reverse it this time, Jeremiah, and say that Rabiot's going to score 10 goals and hope he scores none. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I don't think uh, Lou's going to take that one on uh, anymore, but uh, he does uh, continue with another one. Do you guys feel the same? I trust in our players, but I still don't trust Max. Gut feeling. I really hope Max does well, though. <sighs> trust in our players, but don't trust Max. I, I, I don't. I'll tell you right now. I know what we can do. I believe in the roster that we have can do some damage, especially not being spread across multiple competitions. Okay. I really, really do believe this team can be in that hunt throughout this season. I believe it. If you're asking me, do I trust in our players and do I have trust in Max? I have this feeling that I always go back to with Max that he's going to find a way to get results. I always go back to that. Like this, this, like no matter what I feel, no matter how I felt in the summer of like, oh man, we should make a change or whatever. Yeah. Like now he's here and I still go back to this feeling. It's like this, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just this, this close knit bond or tie that I have with this personality that I just believe he will find results in the players. I think the players are going to, I think they're going to get it together and get it going because I think this is probably, you know, one of those blessings in disguise type of scenario where we talked about it last year. Like maybe Europa was a blessing in disguise, go out of champions league, make a deep run. Maybe you could take it and really build something and then move forward with it. I think this year offers you another one of those opportunities, but I, in the players, I put them all together, coach and players, but I do ultimately think Max will find a way to get results uh, with these guys. And when I'm looking at the players, I would ramp things up because I think that there's been some solid additions in Cambiaso and Wea that we just need to really unlock a little more. So ultimately, I do think that I, I would say, yes, I have trust and belief that we will be in that running throughout this year. Lou? I'm kind of the same way I think you do, but there's also a little bit of distrust, I think, less in Allegri and so, on some of the players, which I think it's maybe the opposite of what Jeremiah is saying, because I think that what we've seen and what we've heard from Max, and you know, you even saw the training video we posted yesterday about him marking the players to play further forward, right? That match against Udinese was a, and they tried in the Bologna game, and they got outplayed, you know, that first half. We saw a little bit more in the second half, but Juventus, like, they want to change their play style. They brought in an assistant coach to help them change their play style, to play a little bit further forward. You know, we heard all that. So that's 
that's usually the big gripe against Allegri is we play too far back. So now it's up to some of the players. Like, hey, we have the way that you want to play. We're trying to play that way. Can you execute it? Can we get people in the right positions and execute it? Can some of these guys who are supposed to score 15, 20 goals a season, you know, hit that mark? We've already seen, you know, I thought I was really impressed with Vlaovic in that second game because he didn't get a ton of chances, but he worked really, really hard. And the chance that he got, you know, he took. So can we see that a little bit more? Can, you know, players like Pogba or, you know, uh, that we've invested so much money in, can they stay fit? You know, can some of these guys, you know, hit the hit the the goals that we set for them when we brought them in and called them up? And I, I do believe there is a really good team here. Like, I think that we have a really competitive team. You know, I don't think the gap between us and Napoli and the Milan clubs is that much higher, you know? Yeah, and I agree. I agree with uh, what you said there. So I think we let uh, let roll. And we'll obviously find out. Like I said, I think, uh, you know, a month's worth of matches, we'll know kind of where oh, yeah. we stand and then go from there, as we did last season. And it was not good, and we had a lot of work to do. I feel we're going to have a lot less work to do. And even through the two games, it's a lot less, a lot less work. Um, which player... This coming in from Milan there. Which player has the most number of Scudetti in uh, our current roster? How many is that? Would it not be Sandro? Sandro. 15-16 was his first year? Yeah, 15-16 was his first year. Tech came in... Five. I'm pretty sure Sandro. Yeah. Pretty sure it's Sandro. Um... But again, I'd have to. Russian, though, actually, <laughs> what's that? Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that. Because when did Tech? When was Tech's first years? Tech's first year was the year before Ronaldo. So Ronaldo was 18, 19. So he was 17, 18. It would have to be Sandro has yeah, the most. Because Sandro came uh, either the Cardiff year or the year before that. I can't remember which one. Oh, Pensolio. How long's he been back there, just racking Ooh, up those Scudetti? Out from the knee guy. Chipper. <laughs> Chipper, come on, clutch. <laughs> Pinsoli, I believe it's Sandro, but uh, oh, Piazza. <laughs> so, Piazza, uh, as uh, Lou alluded to earlier, uh, going to Rika and uh, we messed we messed this up. It's Rugani. Is it Rugani? Rugani should have one because he went out alone during the Pirlo year, but he should have had one from Sari to the year after Berlin. We gotta look that one up for the next uh, live. We gotta, oh. we gotta find out, or somebody can look it up right now and uh, determine that yeah. one. Okay, um, we're gonna get to uh, the next one, and then I've got a fun one. All right, that I want to bring up. Uh, if Salah goes to Saudi Arabia and come in with an offer of seventy million, do we sell? If you're talking about Skanga, it wouldn't take seventy million. I mean, yeah, we sell. I'd assume you're talking about Chiesa. Yeah. Um, so if Salah goes Saudi and they come in, uh, uh, offer seventy million. No. Now? No. No. Way too late in the game um, to try and make a change or whatnot. If we're talking a few weeks back with some potential, who's coming in would be my uh, question. Like, I don't want to lose Chiesa and just fill the spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. That's just it. I think that it's like, you know, like I said earlier in the show, all these guys that were linked with when like Chiesa and Valvich were rumored to leave, they weren't exactly like world beaters. They weren't players that were better than the ones we had. So, now. 
Stop it. No Berardi. Stop it. <laughs> Although I don't think it would have been the end of the... Uh... I, I actually kind of like that move a little bit, but... You've been a Berardi guy. You've been a bit... I mean, that World Cup uh, failure kind of hurt. That missed... Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that one kind of killed that, it a bit. A but uh, you, you've liked uh, Mimo there for a while. Yeah. The dad, this is actually a great one. Okay, so uh, everyone seems to forget that when we opened last season with a 3-0 against uh, Sassuolo, everything was great, and then the cold shower came. Are we hyping one good game? Draw against Empoli could be a uh, throwback. I don't believe we're hyping up one good game. Um, and the reason I say so is because the second half against Bologna was night and day to the first half against Bologna. And even looking at the first game where the result was strong in the 3-0 victory, what we're seeing is still something that we've had to work on last season too, which is putting together solid 90s. And that is yeah. something I've been talking about with this team, which feels like three seasons running now. Um, and to be honest, this is beyond Max Allegri's 2.0 return. This goes into Pirlo. This goes into Sarri. Putting yeah. together solid 90s, no matter what mode you're in, whether you're in attack mode, whether you're in manage mode, whatever game scenario you are in, putting <clears throat> together solid 90s have been an issue at Juventus. So I don't believe we're just hyping up a game. What I believe is we're seeing what we're capable of in terms of an area that has been poor, which is attacking generating chances, scoring goals. I think we have the potential to score the amount of goals we need to be in the hunt this season. But the concerns for me are putting together solid full matches. That's how I feel. So I don't think it's necessarily hyping up anything. I just think we should have a belief that we can go out there and attack teams and score goals and cause problems. But we still have work to do around it and we still got to figure out, again how to put together those solid full matches. Lou, what do you think? I I I don't think so and I think the reason the reason we're talking about that match so much is that in the summer that's what they brought in an assistant coach to help with is to hey focus on that transition to play a little bit further up the pitch to try and get better in the offensive phase. I think that that was like one of the goals of the season and that's why I think that match is significant because it represents what the goal is to be, right? As far as like the Scudetto talk and things like that, at least for me, I've thought that since the start of this Mercado that this team is good enough to win. It's not because of the 3-0 victory. It's just because of the personnel that we have. So I do think it's a really good point. You know, hey, 3-0, maybe that was too good too fast. Maybe we have some work to do. Yeah, I think you're right. We probably do have some work to do. I don't think in Empoli we'll see another 3-0 victory. We might see like a 1-0 or a 2-0, but what – but there is work and some cleanup to do. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> now, quick reminder, everybody, please like the video. I want to say a big uh, shout out and thanks to Ron Rasitano. Okay, fellow Pittsburgh Go. man. All right. Go. Like Lou here. So fellow Pittsburgh man. And uh, he gifted five memberships uh, last live show, which is absolutely huge. All right. Uh, so uh, congrats to those who benefit from it and got the free memberships. I want to thank all our regular members for the support. There's obviously, of course, Super Chat is another way to support us. And then, of course, the merch store. And you will find a lovely surprise did you think we weren't going to show some love to the one and only Gigi Buffon 
There are two, soon to be three, tribute designs in there for the one and only Lunico Gigi Buffon, all right? So check those out. Oh my God, man. You get, I haven't even shared it with the team, these new designs, but they're clean, all right? And yeah, a little bit of a Superman uh, reference on one of the designs, okay? But really, really cool stuff. So that's another way if you choose. Everybody who has chosen to support in those methods, we thank you very much. The easiest way is also sharing our content, and we absolutely appreciate all the support we get in any way, shape, or form, all right? Now, let's get to... Um, my what if from yesterday's daily update video, obviously Pavel Nedved's birthday, okay. Also Simone Pepe's, all right. The classic yeah, golf swing Selly there. Uh, we showed that uh, bike goal there off the pier little pass there in the 11-12 uh, season, I believe it was. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. It might've been 12-13, but uh, nonetheless, Simone Pepe deserves a little bit of love too, but Nedved, obviously legend, one and only. My biggest what if, one of my biggest what ifs for Juve is what if Nedved didn't receive this awful booking? He should have never put himself in that situation. Missing the final in 2003. I said that is one of my biggest what ifs. And I was curious to know our subscribers, our followers, what their biggest Juventus what if was. And I was getting some really, really good stuff. You know, uh, what if Dybala didn't become injury-prone in state? What if Pogba got the PK in uh, the final against Barca? Uh, what if Italy wasn't against Juve at every turn? Like, just a ton. And I'm going to ask you, Lou, what is a big what-if for you? Ooh, I think... Well, one of mine, I think, is that if Chiellini played the final in Berlin, I think might have... Might have stopped that first goal from Iniesta. I know Barcelona were better than us, but that first goal is because Barzali and Bonucci are just totally lost. They, if you remember correctly, and I know people probably maybe don't, but when we played the four-man midfield, Barzali and Bonucci never played together. Barzali came off the bench a lot of that run because of injuries. So it was always Chiellini and Bonucci. So that's a big what if. Um, and I also think another one I have maybe for the national team. Ooh. That's tough. I always kind of wondered what would have happened if in 2008, if we had like, if Lippy stuck it out or, oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh yeah. The ball. That's, that's a fusher one. Cause we could have won that year. That's a good one. Thank you for that. Uh, Tony, that's a good one. Cause I think that team could have won for the Azuri. I think that that 08 team I thought had a lot of potential, but got kind of like undercut because, um, because Lippi, you know, quit right after the World Cup a couple months in. So I think that's a, a what if, if, you know, Lippi was stuck it out or done and done, got enough time, what could have happened there? Yeah, man, that Nedved one is just, he's, yeah. he was a game changer, a game breaker, and having him in that final would have been massive. That effort clearance makes me want to just jump. <clears throat> Skanga going back to his boy, Baggio, hit that PK-94. Would Bebeto have finished it? Ah, wow! People taking at the Baggio. scab there, eh? Probably yeah. it wasn't just uh, it wasn't yeah. just uh, Baggio that missed. That's the thing that everybody forgets. And uh, my God, Franco Baresi was on one knee, and I'm pretty sure, like my memory's not strong by any means, but I'm pretty sure he had the first kick for Italy 
and it was one of the worst PKs I've seen. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Barese. I could be mistaken. And then I Ooh. think it was Massaro that missed the third one for Italy or something before Baggi. I don't know. Um, but anyway, and again, I could be completely off. But uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, Man, standing up. He did and missed. There we go. So uh, thank you, Vincenzo, there. But uh, the what-ifs are amazing. I'm actually, we're not going to leave it at that. I'm going to... I'm going to do some fun stuff and use it for some fun extra little content whatnot. We're going to play up these what ifs and create some uh, scenarios. It might also, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to have some fun there. Just just stay tuned, okay, everybody. But uh, we're pretty much at uh, the end of the session here. As far as the news going around, uh, I always take the time to uh, show some love and say a big thank you to this guy. So for all of you that are following us also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatnot, like I literally relay everything this guy's doing every morning into Instagram and um, I can't uh, ever thank him enough and Omar and uh, everybody that's also helping us get the news or whatnot and even actually you guys that follow us and subscribe to us uh, catching little tidbits here and there and helping us out with it amazing all right so big big thanks there please drop a like uh, on your way out glad you guys enjoyed uh, the live session okay but uh, Lou Massive, massive work he does for the news, keeping us uh, in the loop on everything circulating around Juventus. All right. So, again, big, big thanks uh, from me, Lou. And uh, any closing uh, thoughts before we kind of sign off here? Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, thank you to everyone who's in the chat. I see a lot of you in the news. You guys are always engaging. That makes it fun for me. Um, if you ever have a question about, like, one of the things that we post, uh, just you know, comment and ask. I'll re I'll reply for you from the main account, and uh, you know that's that that's true. I can't really disagree with that. Oh, um, but yeah, it's it's fun. And uh, shout out to Omar because he's done a lot of good work this week while I've been on vacation. So can't do it without him. Yeah, and uh, and Lou's still pitching in on vacation as much as he can. So uh, it's incredible. We got to thank these guys uh, all the time. And while you're out there grabbing news, drop it in the comments. Sometimes you know. Big shout out to Lou and uh, Omar and whatnot. Um, Storm the Barn, I see another one from Miran. We are probably going to tackle that one in the green room, all right, because we are going to sign off as we've uh, reached time for today, okay? But again, big thanks for everybody coming in here. We're wrapping up the Mercado. We got the Mercado scores out early and whatnot. We knew it was going to be a quiet one, but overall, I think we're happy keeping the list that we have. Let's roll from there. Uh, massive thank you, uh, James. Great show. Glad you guys uh, enjoyed. Stay tuned for the weekend because you guys know what comes up. We got the uh, Match Day show coming up uh, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time on Match Day. And I will bring you the live watch along. And I hope to see you all there. Check out the tribute to Buffon in the merch store. Maybe there's something in there you like. All right. But thank you all, as always, for the support. As always, fino alla fine. Forza Juve. Ciao a tutti. Take care. Ciao. Yeah.